0: Hello, welcome to Lunar Poetry Podcast, I'm David Turner. How are you lot doing? Good I hope. I think we've gained some new listeners recently, so hello to you if you're tuning in for the first or second time. Hello of course to long-time listeners, I wouldn't forget you now. Sometimes in the arts it can seem like we're constantly chasing new audiences as if new always equals better. There's a lot to be said for loyalty if Donald Trump hasn't completely ruined that concept. You might be able to hear some squeaking It's some Swifts doing some late night squeaking. I suppose they're chasing flies or something. Still having to get used to some new noises now down in Wiltshire. For today's episode I was recently up in Wrexham, North Wales. This trip was made possible by the Arts Council funding we received last summer. Thank you to them for their support. Coming up in the episode we have a short chat with the people that run Voicebox, which is a spoken word night based at Indigean. But first up, I speak with Young People's Laureate of Wales, Sophie McKeon. We met to talk about the work she does with Literature Wales, a bit of politics, and her new collection, Rebel Sun, out through Parthian Books. For a transcript of this conversation, go over to our website, www.lunarpoetrypodcast.com. You can also subscribe to the series via SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you download your podcasts. And if Facebook and Instagram are your thing, then we're over there as Lunar Poetry Podcast, and on Twitter, at silent underscore tongue. If you like what we do then please do tell people about us. Word of mouth recommendations are the best form of advertising for us and we really could use your help, you know, chasing those elusive new audience members, as exciting as they are. Here's Sophie, enjoy.
1: My name is Sophie McEyand. I am a poet from Wrexham, North Wales, and I'm the current Young People's Laureate for Wales. I'm going to start with a poem called Paper News, and I wrote this in response to a series of poetry blackouts that I've been doing on Instagram with the hashtag 30 Days of Brexit and hashtag postnewspolitics, where I've been protesting some of the nastier elements of our right-wing media and their output and the way I feel that their language is... I'm going to go so far as to say poisoning our communities. So this is called Paper News. I am panic. I am the tearing. I am nightmarish scenes greeting police. I am sickened. I am reviled. I am dismay. I am flood, Warning. I am winter. Warning. I am stay indoors. Warning. I am severe weather. Warning. I am hurricane force winds. Warning. I am droughts to hit the south of England. Warning. I am hosepipe bands. I am swimming bands. I am hotter than anticipated. I am deserts forming. I am 50 degrees C in the Middle East and they're all going to have to move somewhere. Warning. Warning. I am paper. I am the test paper. I am litmus paper. Light the paper, spark the fuse. I am justification for war in Iraq. I am drones dropping bombs on schools in Syria. I am the only hospital for 50 miles decimated. I am collateral damage. I am screaming for my sister. I am screaming for my brother. I am burying my family. I ululate for my family. I am the freedom fighter. I am the terrorist. I am Muslim. I am Islam. I am ISIL. I am fear. I am your eyes. I am your ears. I am the hot salt of blood and ash. I am coming for you. I am coming for you. I am coming for you. I am armies of migrant families invading your communities. I am the soft bodies of refugee children washed onto your shores. I am critical scenes at Dover and Calais. I am young migrant men hijacking lorries. I am children trafficked. I am mothers raped. I am not sorry. It is not our fault. I am telling you to send them back. I am go home or face prosecution. I am impartial. I am impervious. I am swarms. I am cockroaches. I build barricades. I burn camps. I tear down shelter. I am paper. I am the test paper. I am litmus paper, like the paper spark the fuse. I am young black man arrested, I am more young black men shot by police, I am black lives matter, I matter, I am all lives matter, I matter, I am unbiased, I am white, I am privileged, I am male, I am single white female. I am papier-mâché, stripped and moulded into terror. I am gunshots ringing across the playground. I am gunshots fired at police. I am gunshots in the busy shopping mall. I am lone wolf male. I am disturbed white male. I act alone. I speak for no one. I am paper. I am the test paper. I am litmus paper, like the paper spark the fuse. I speak for you. I speak for your fears. I speak so you don't have to. I tell it like it is. I tell your fortune. I am your problem solved. I am the voice of your wife. I justify your fantasy. I am lap dancers earning 10 grand a month. I am sex workers who love it. I am prostitution. I am money. I am the money you want to spend. I am the hours you need to work to matter. I am the crippled NHS and we all know whose fault that is. I am sick people fiddling benefits. I am the poor who could get a job if they bothered. I am single mothers shelling out babies for your taxes. I am warden. I am judge. I am critic. I am tissue paper for your tears. I am tissue paper for your fantasies. I speak for you. I speak your mind. I am your friend. I am transparent. I am impartial. I am information. I am sensational headlines. I am no editorial bias. I am right wing think tank expert opinion. I am the future. I am your present. I write your past. I am right. There is no left. I am paper trails. I am words. I am the universe in pages. I am your world. I am your friend. I am paper thin. I am paper news. I am newspaper. Like the paper, spark the fuse.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Thank you.
0: Welcome to the podcast, Sophie. Thank you. Thanks for joining
1: us. Cheers.
0: Isn't it really bloody wearing how unnecessary it is to keep writing
2: poems like
1: that? <laughs> yeah, uh, part of that—the length of it and the the repetition of the I am—because I want the poem to feel like that relentless deluge that the news can feel like at yeah. times. I wanted it to reflect that because that's how I feel.
0: It does feel like it just keeps going and going, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Reality, I mean, not the poem. No, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> well the poem yeah, does. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, <laughs> part of it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, was that part of the 30 days of Brexit or was this, did it precede? Um,
1: that? It was after, so the okay. 30 days of Brexit came out of after the Brexit vote, I was quite devastated. I didn't agree with the vote, but I do believe in democracy and I believe we have to take on board what people voted for. But I felt really upset that what people voted for is not what they got. I mean, we've all since seen the bus with, we'll give the £350 million to the NHS a week, which clearly is never going to materialise. And so I felt that our newspapers were implicit in that because even though everybody knew these things were a lie, they were still printing it. I absolutely believe in freedom of speech, the right of the individual for freedom of speech. But when I take this poem to schools or I work with young people, one of the questions that I ask is, do we think that organisations such as newspapers have the same right as an individual to freedom of speech? Or do they have a moral obligation to print some semblance of the truth? And that's kind of you know the questions that came out of Brexit, really. So the blackouts that I create, the newspaper blackouts, are taking the newspapers and then, and when I run the workshops, it's encouraging, uh, well, not just young people, I've run them with age 10 up to however old, you know, um, adults, elderly people, but it's about people taking control of the language that we are fed by the newspapers, reshaping it to our own ends, sometimes quite ridiculous and absurd, poems sometimes quite subversive, but it's about... Hopefully people feel in the workshops so they can take control of the language. I think that when you, t- when you view some of the language, that, especially some of the tabloids and the daily fail, some of their language, when you actually take it out of context, is really shocking that they're allowed to say it's hate speech. It's
0: ridiculous, <laughs> some, some of the stuff that's mm. allowed, isn't mm.
1: it? If that came out of the mouth of a Muslim cleric, he would be chucked out of the country. But it comes out of the mouth of Katie Hopkins and it's free speech. And I can't quite grasp
0: the. I mean, I'm no. quite into free speech, but I may have to ban her name from. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm sorry about that.
0: <laughs> to start beeping, you can you beep know. it. <laughs>
1: you can beep that out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Re-
0: I don't do any educational work, so I hadn't really considered it. Suddenly, I just thought about how useful it must be to start analysing that kind of language mm. in tabloid press. Yeah. It's quite a good way of just picking stuff apart, isn't it? If you start by just saying we're going to take out the words as yeah. the bones, but then start to look at actually what this is saying <laughs>
1: yeah uh, well absolutely as a young people's laureate very much I see my role as encouraging young people in Wales to find their voice and I work very much with uh, marginalized young people and groups and so maybe young single mothers maybe care leavers uh, the gypsy and traveler community and often people who exist on the fringes are it's really sad but they tend to be afraid of language because it seems to be literature is has been more so in the past, considered a pursuit, it's very middle class. You know, it's very literary. Um, And this is one of the reasons why I love working with Literature Wales, because their focus is very much on um, widening participation, widening access, and so I very much love working with them because we, well, we have very similar views on how on how to do this. And so when I'm working with challenging groups who are afraid of language, if I take newspapers, I'm taking the language, and so people don't feel so afraid of maybe their spelling or people who are dyslexic and not so good because we've got it there, and then we're going to black it out, we're going to cut it up, we're going to be sub but there's no wrong answer it's just how their creative response to that text that I've brought and there's some really interesting stuff comes out yeah. you
0: know I'm gonna to have to watch my language a bit here because it makes me angry thinking about it but you mentioned Katie Hopkins so that's <laughs> worse I than anything that might come out of my, <laughs> out of my mouth and it makes me re- really furious that anybody is made to feel like language is inaccessible
2: yeah them. Yes. It?
0: it's just ridiculous. I can't even find the words to describe how angry it makes me feel. How do you or it might be first literature Wales that does the the legwork as it were but how do you reach marginalized communities? Because I think this is a big thing for um, organizations to look at isn't it because it's yeah. all very well wanting to do it and yeah. having going in with, with the right spirit but it can also yeah. it can often be very hard to actually reach people can't it? so
1: Yeah, there's a reason. I mean, I hate the hard to reach label, but it exists for a reason and that the the communities are hard to reach. So I work in participatory art, So it's about us creating work together. Um, And I've been doing that for a decade now. And so I suppose there's just a point where people have heard of the work that I've done. And so sometimes it will be Literature Wales will contact me and say, we'd like you to work with this group. We've made inroads with this group and we'd like you to come. And other times a group will get in touch with me. So I recently worked with Welsh Women's Aid, Um, so I worked on a series of workshops with the women. See, this is when I loved it, because if if you'd have said to those women on day one, so a poet is going to come in, and over six or eight weeks, you're going to come in once a week, and you're going to write poems, and then at the end of it, you're going to create a poetry pamphlet that you're then going to read the poems out at a launch to local dignitaries at, at an event. They would have literally well, then I was going to swear, but they would have told me to F off, you know. <laughs> and so vulnerable women who were at the refuge for various reasons. and um, But they did it because it's a it's a journey and a process where by day one, obviously I don't sit there and go, right, I want you all to write me a sonnet. We just talk and have a laugh. And I think what, what it is with a lot of people is that they don't feel that what they have to say has value. And that's maybe because of the way that, literature has been structured in the past and it's maybe because of the way that the curriculum is structured it's very hierarchical there's a lot of power structures going on there's a lot there's a lot of this sort of looking at well this is the what these people have to say is very important and then the rest of us all we can do is just hope that we may be able to bask in their light for a small amount of time and um, while the rest of us just go about our daily lives and i don't believe that at all i believe we're all a genius it's just a case of finding it and not everyone it will be through words either some people it be through paint or music but we all have that capability the way I, my approach is that when i'm working with a group Somebody in the group might say something. at work with the Gypsy Home Travelers and one of the girls will say, oh, she'll come out with a line and I'll say, oh, that is so poetic. I'm going to write that down. And she'll say, oh, no, no, that's not poetry." I say, well, I'm the poet. I'll decide what's poetic. I think that's poetic. So we're going to write that down. And then it's just about building their confidence. And then it's amazing what, if people feel heard and if they feel safe and not judged, they'll say the most beautiful things. They'll write the most beautiful things. And it's just creating that energy and that environment with them where they feel that they can do that.
0: I think it was Keith Jarrett actually talking about sort of working in, in the city schools in London.
1: Okay, yeah. yeah that's
0: where he's from. But, um, you know, and just watching kids sort of cussing each other out in six or seven different languages. i yeah, just explaining yeah. to them about the poetics or the beauty of that yeah perhaps not you know explain to them also to not be so nasty to each other <laughs> but just the it's rhythm and, you know and it, but it just highlighting to them that they do have a capability when it comes to language and communication and and they have their own things to say yeah but also I was this is not on part of the podcast but I met and I, I just can't remember her name but she runs the Washington up by Newcastle in between Newcastle and Sunderland the Washington branch of mind and she works particularly oh, okay. with young people yeah and these young people who are considered to be the hardest to reach. Yeah. And just the contradiction she sees in actually meeting them.
1: Yeah. Because
0: perhaps the difficult thing is to get them in a room. Yeah. But engaging with them when they're in a room is not the difficult thing. No. It sounds like yourself and Literature Wales are going into it quite open-mindedly, but I think a lot of yeah. organisations go in believing that people are hard to reach. And that seems to be Uh, what actually the obstacle is, is that you've just predetermined that they're hard to reach. Yeah, it's Um, also
1: your attitude. If you go in as a, well, I'm clearly a very important poet and so I'm here to impart my knowledge, they are just going to have to fuck off. And write your (laughs) Which I would, to be fair. You know, politically I stand very left, you know, very much an anarchist anyway, so we're all equal as far as I'm Mm. concerned. And so I might know more about one thing, but they'll know more about their lives than me. So it's about sharing knowledge and me helping them to shape that into something as opposed to me going in, being very important and basically a pain in the (laughs) 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 arse.
0: On that note, we'll take a second reading.
1: This piece is called Rebel Sun. It's a longer piece in three parts, so I'm just going to read part one. More and more, I believe that anarchy is not the state of you know, destroying everything. It's a state of autonomy, people working individually and autonomously, but working together for the benefit of all. The book, the collection is very much looking at different elements of this and how it's reflected in the natural world. I use a motif of a murmuration of starlings, which is the name for it when you see them sort of swell across the sky. A murmuration, what a beautiful word. And that for me is pure anarchy because each star, nobody is choreographed that, murmuration. Each starling has arrived of their own accord and then create this beautiful art across the sky and then they go again and then they dissipate. And that is pure anarchy to me. So starlings appear a lot in this collection. But this piece, Rebel Sun, yeah, it's also looking at the language of protest and how many different sort of words like that I could shoehorn into a piece maybe. So um, this is part one. Your alarm rings, beetles. Opening curtain-heavy eyes, you waterfall out of bed. Regrouping in the bathroom, you notice manes of June horses patterning through the window onto new tiles that march like soldiers. Slicing knife-edge blinds across golden plumes, you frown and stand on scales that burp toads you still haven't lost ten pounds. You try to shower flabby thoughts away, but the seal blubber in your mind holds fast and John Lewis doesn't sell a correct excavation knife. Your car is a tortoise and you grovel to work together. Outside your office the daily protest march has begun. Thousands of bricks defend workers from the insurgent army of brilliant light demonstrating across courtyards. You shield poached eyes from the insurrection and scurry indoors to wear strip lights and air consolve jittery skin. Someone has opened a window near your desk so that you are forced again to confront the agitators outside. A swarm of birds occupy plastic trees chanting comrade, comrade to the rebel sun. You decide to take a stand and lassoing your desk that floats down office in the flood type a strongly worded e-complaint. You try to sign off with your name but cannot remember. The letters are ants marching determinedly in circles. You brush this diversion aside and type yours sincerely desk 391. They will know who you are. You eat lunch at break time, then buy lunch from the sandwich van parked in tar sands at the back of the building. You are a caterpillar, deliberately gnawing through another day. You consider taking up smoking again to curb your appetite. Some workers are cavorting with starlings in the sunlight. They won't last. You've seen it before. Socialising with agitators burns skin to ash. Soon concentration will slosh around the office like overwatered concrete and you will have to dismiss those who are not already blown away by the afternoon hurricane. You finish work late. There is no traffic. The tortoise is now a hare. Black skies are punctured by bright laser eyes as you surge home exhausted. You are a plague of locusts devouring the contents of the fridge." Blood red wine flows as you settle alone with friends who scripted conversations intertwine like ivy with social media feeds across the lounge floor. A river of wine finally engulfs the tiny boat in which you are trying to ascend.
0: I have these really odd memories, TV based memories yeah. from my childhood and this is going to age <laughs> probably, every, everyone in the room, but and probably alienate some younger listeners because they won't get the reference here, but when micro, early Microsoft programs were out and yeah. the screensavers that used to slowly bounce around yeah. the screen and in rainbow colours and were the height of uh, technological advancements <laughs> at that time, I saw a program with an illustrator and how he was trying to base one of these screensavers on a murmuration of Starlings oh, okay. and they were looking into the, the physics and the mathematics of yeah. how this, because before, the, the, the common-held idea was that it was some sort of hive mind and they moved in unison. Yeah. And they couldn't match the movement. They no. couldn't reproduce what they were doing until they realised that each starling was acting independently of each other Yeah, and that the beauty was in independence rather than this collective thought
1: yes and it's
0: really nice isn't yes. it? That, 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 Anarchy. I it yeah <laughs> uh, and of course the fantastic benjamin zephaniah was uh,
1: he was only talking about this on, talking about it on bbc recently
0: wasn't it with frankie
1: boyle yes that's yes it. Yeah. On the, who i'm also a huge fan of so
0: he's fantastic yeah yeah so who's your book published by uh,
1: parthian books they're based in south wales
0: okay yeah, and when
1: did that come out? Uh, that came out, it launched on the 1st of June. I did. Oh, so it's very did, new. Yeah, I oh. took it to, I was at Hay Festival yeah. um, as well, which I was so excited about because I was there as part of the Wales India Mela, which is a festival. Earlier this year, I went to India with, uh, so it's a British Council Wales initiative. Okay, you went with British exchange. Council, yeah. 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 A cultural exchange with Parthian books and also Wales Arts Review and Literature Wales. So um, the return leg was to see some fantastic Bengali poets come back with us, uh, come back, come here to Wales. And then we, uh, we, we were at Hay. My book was in the bookshop at Hay. I should be really cool about that, but it was all over Instagram. <laughs> I was taking the photographs. It was me going, this is my book at Hay because, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm... I'm going to be honest, that's a definite career highlight, mm. you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been watching uh, the excitement on Instagram around Ledbury, which is just okay, been yes. this weekend. Yeah. It? Um, I haven't been to either of those festivals. But I'd do the same if my yeah. book was suddenly somewhere. Yeah. That's the whole point, isn't it?
1: Well, yeah, there is that validation. Yeah. I've, for the last sort of 10, well, no more than that, about 13 years, I've been working. Um, I started out mainly just doing spoken word, and then I wanted to create, well, I did create hand stitch pamphlets. Um, mainly because I was like I don't want to be part of the establishment I'm going to do my own thing I did an album and I toured a few shows and then there comes a point where now I have a book out and a title I could I be any more establishment when did that happen but yeah I suppose there's only so long you want to spend in the hinterland before maybe you do want a bit of a wider I don't know maybe I'm getting older I'm not sure maybe my ego just needs more validation. I think I it takes know.
0: a while. Like, I'm, I've had similar issues, well, not that I have um, had offers of publication, but a similar thing of like, I don't really want to be part of that
1: No, well,
0: That's how I used to. Yeah. Think. I think there's a, a natural process that does, if you then start to see it as being part of something that other people, that people you genuinely admire, admire are yeah. part of, and that you want this physical object, yeah. I think that's fine. Yes. You just have to reconcile with yourself that you yeah. are then part of that system that you perhaps... Yeah, can, that but you, yeah. you don't get tarred with the same brush just by being...
1: Uh, no.
0: Having a hardback book. There. No, you know, it's just,
1: exactly. And I suppose there's a point as an artist, we're all constantly evolving and progressing and that it's like, where do you progress to, you know? And to have a book out, actually, to, after having been working in the industry for so many years is... Uh, Yeah, it feels like a lovely milestone. Mm. It's a book that I'm really proud of.
0: I had Rachel Long on recently and two members from the Octavia Collective Mm -hmm. based at the South Bank in London. And they were talking about what it means. So Octavia is a a collective of women writers of colour. They were talking a lot about what it means to aspire to be part of a canon that doesn't reflect you. Do you form your own? But a a very generalised feeling is that, you know, you can only complain about an established canon mm. so long, you know, for so long before you think, well, should I then try and add something to it? Yeah, you know, if yes. it's not what I want now, yeah, it's only going to become what you want by adding to it, isn't it?
1: I absolutely agree. Yeah, yeah that's that. They, you've summed it up for me.
0: That's why I came to Wales. It's just, a, <laughs> just to put everyone's mind at yeah. rest.
1: Yeah, <laughs> thank you. That's it. But yeah, I do feel, um, for example, uh, there's been a bit of a hoo-ha literature uh, uh, recently in the literary uh, scene in Wales because there's been an independent review carried out about the about um, literature Wales and how they go about engaging with people in Wales and the review was very scathing of literature Wales and um, was quite a hatchet job and everyone sort of went (gasps) Collectively, sort of gassed inward, but you know, you think, "Oh, can you put? Would you put that in a report?" It's it's um, seemed very subjective, which is not what they were asked to do. But then, since then, there have been replies, and today there's been an arts council, an official arts council reply saying that saying that the report is not particularly professionally put together but this report was interesting because it's um Gary Raymond the editor at Wales Arts Review has written a brilliant response to it, actually which I would highly recommend anyone read if you're interested in the ins and outs of the Welsh literary scene and he basically said this report is a big old floppy spitting dinosaur that's sort of rearing its ugly heads because that's how we used to be at the report very much says that it's more based around it's about the author and the book and the author takes their book into a school and they read their book and people buy the book and of course that is one element of literature and it's a very important element of literature but a lot of the pe- young people i work with on the projects i work with when i'm working in youth clubs or when i'm working with literature wales or when i'm working with bernardo's those children are not they're not going to buy a book it just came across as very elitist what's great is that it's been recognised as a certain faction. The thing is that there is absolutely a place for academic literature. And it, it is important and an essential part of Welsh literature. We absolutely need it. But it's upsetting and frustrating when certain elements of that sort of say it's the only way because that people should engage with literature because it's elitist and... Um, yeah, it, it it immediately discounts thousands of young people, well, just people, from being able to engage with literature, and that's not the point. Literature Wales is the point of Literature Wales is um, widening participation, you know, reaching a hand out when we have the when there was a, you know, a, the centenary of Dylan Thomas. I went into all sorts of places taking Dylan Thomas poems that they, they fund um, a huge array of. Uh, sort of extracurricular activities, which possibly some people might not even think well, definitely some people might not think are overly literary, but the point is that that might be the first point of contact for certain young people to engage with that author or that book, and then they might go and buy the book.
0: Mm. Just been interviewing Rishi Dastadar about ah, editing, and yeah. he, he came up with a really good point in that somebody. Is going to read something for the first time yeah. at some point and it may be something you're editing or putting together or presenting and you have to be prepared that they won't have any contextual knowledge yeah. about what you're doing or, or perhaps even any interest in what you're doing and no. you have to go a step outside of that but i mean there's a huge problem in this country where education is founded on rewarding a very very small group of people yeah and those people didn't grow up on the estate that I grew up on. No. And they, I'm guessing, I don't know Wrexham that well, I've only been here for a couple of hours, yeah. I'm guessing they don't really live in this region, no. too many of them either. Absolutely and I think not. it's it's uh, criminal, actually, mm. the, the the way that um, so many young people are denied access mm. to that kind of learning.
1: Exactly, exactly. Um, and that's why it's so important that national organisations are encouraged to... Go out and find ways to engage. That's the point, is finding new ways. And the point is then that when you're looking for new ways to engage with hard-to-reach people, not everything's going to be successful Mm. because they are hard-to-reach groups. But the point is that you've got to try. And it's that keeping trying, keeping putting Mm. a hand out to them. I also
0: think it's a really positive point that reports like the one you just mentioned Mm. are largely ridiculed and reviews in places like The Spectator and yeah. Private Eye, when they do talk about younger poets, young, especially younger female poets in this country, yeah. do get widely ridiculed yeah. for this outdated view. Yes. I think it, it's, it's, it's passing. It's yeah. just annoying when you're trying to fight against it if it's part <laughs> yeah. of your job.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and they still do it. And then you think, have you not learned? Yeah. We don't work like that anymore. There's a whole new raft of artists coming up who don't we're not backstabbers we don't we, we're not we want to make a living in the arts but not by being careerist not at the expense of another artist we want to put our hands out and help other people you know and I love that that's more becoming the way that artists work I think
0: that's a really beautiful place to stop actually summed it up really nicely we'll finish with one more point. and if you could remind people the publisher and where they could perhaps get
1: Okay, so the book Rebel Sun is out with Parthian Books, so you can buy the book from them. And it's a hardback uh, poetry book, beautifully designed by my partner Andy really Garside. Yeah, we wanted it to have a nod to the old Russian propaganda posters because it is, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, this is me unashamedly being a sort of anarchist, socialist, left wingy person. I think it's, you know, yeah, I'm going to leave it there. But yeah, so you can order the book online, it's £10, but that it's free postage and packaging. This final poem is called From the Ashes and it's a nod to Baudelaire's Albatross, which is one of my favourite poems of all time ever. The albatross straps a leather sack of infinite ideas across her feathered breast and rising to greet the sun locks wings out. In the cold blue sky, white clouds wrap her in myth. When she settles, her feathers are plucked by people who have lost all sense of their own worth. One final sharp tug and the bird is bald, grounded like the rest of us, the oven lit for supper. She is ugly and ungainly, her flesh tough and chewy, we wail while threading feathers and curiosities from the sack onto fat necklaces. That night, our eyes billow with clouds. White bellies distend like volcanoes, belching white-hot fire and curses. The next morning, mourning over the newly barren ground, we scatter on the wind to solve burned skin with patterns of stars Sid into our eyes. She was difficult to stomach, the starling risen from the ashes.
0: Thank you very much, Sophie. Thank, Thank you, you for joining Dave. us. That was the Young People's Laureate for Wales, Sophie McKeon. This is our penultimate episode before we reach the end of this funded period. If you'd like to tell us who you'd like us to talk to in the future or any topics for discussion in the next series, then you can go over to www.lunapoetrypodcast.com and complete an audience feedback form. Up next at Indigene, I'm talking to Natasha Borton and Tim Humphrey Jones about their monthly spoken word night voice box. After that brief chat, we've got a selection of some of the open mic performers and part of the feature act for that evening, which was 2K's love letter. There'll be a list of the performers' names and the times that they appear in the episode description, but they are as follows. Pat Edwards, Graham Weaver, Lucid, Ever Rose and Natasha Borton. Excitingly, there's some beatboxing in there. Here's Tim and Natasha enjoy.
3: Indigeen has been running for I think four years just over. It was set up by this project which is founded by Dave Gray and Mike Jones uh, and they've been doing a fantastic job here. In terms of the art space itself, it was initially set up as a pop-up art space but it has now been here in, like four years so it's doing really really well. Exhibitions are constantly changing, they've done things with local organisations, mental health groups, they've had e- exchanges so I think they had four Finnish artists over and sent some Welsh artists over to Finland that was really cool they regularly have gigs on here as well they play a big part with uh, Rexfest which is at the end of the month and uh, Focus Wales which has just been in May yeah fantastic space fantastic people here and come along
0: so we're here tonight for Voicebox, which is a monthly poetry and spoken word night how did that start
3: so basically I'd been to a couple of poetry nights outside of Wrexham, um, so I'd been across to The Absurd and Mould, been across to Poetica in Bangor, I'm not sure if either of those are still running, and then I'd been to Dead Good Poets Society, I think it's called up in Liverpool, uh, and a couple other places, Chester Poets. I'd enjoyed all the stuff that was going on in the near vicinity, but there wasn't anything central for Wrexham people to come to. Clocked that this pop-apart space had appeared, and I just sort of looked up and was like, that'd be perfect." Walked in expecting that I might need some mad business pitch. Approached Dave and Mike and was like, I really want to do a poetry night. Can I do a poetry night here? And they were sort of like, yeah, let's sit down. We'll have a cup of tea. Talk it over. So I sat down with them a few times. We sort of had to think on the name. Uh, came up with a few which got discarded fairly quickly. Um, as always is the case. And then, yeah, we landed on VoiceBox and felt that that was sort of appropriate. And that I've never wanted it to be exclusively a poetry night. So we've had... Spoken word, had page poetry, had storytelling, had beatbox, had rap music, had acoustic singers. Pretty much everything except for a ventriloquist. If you're a ventriloquist, please come and tick that last box off for us. That would be great. Um, Natasha, could you tell
0: us a bit about the format of the night and how it's structured? I believe you've got a uh, feature act tonight.
4: We try and open about 7 o'clock, but that never happens, does it? <laughs> <laughs> but um, we have an infamous open mic, which, we, which we've which we managed to tailor to to really give the people of Rexham a very good platform for themselves we have everything from newcomers every month to to internationally recognised artists that have actually come through Voicebox so we have that at the beginning then we have a bit of a break where we, we have a picnic which is delightfully supplied by Tim and Jade <laughs> and uh, and then when we come back we always have our headline artist. so tonight we have our headliner 2K's Love Letter He's an amazing artist. Um, I met him on the Words First BBC Extra and Contact program we did a couple of years, like last year or a couple of years ago. Um, and we all got together a group of twelve poets, and he was just phenomenal. He's a lovely person, and we always have quite good artists. We have internationally recognised poets and spoken word artists. We have people bring their Edinburgh Fringe breaking shows. We have a bit of everything, which is it's delightful to bring to Wrexham
0: Really professionally. Because we've been pretending he wasn't sitting on the armchair next to me. (laughs) Hello to the feature act. (laughs)
2: Hi, what's up?
0: Are you looking forward to tonight? It's going to be good, huh?
2: Yeah, I, I indeed am looking forward to tonight.
0: And where are you based?
2: I'm based in Manchester and Birmingham right now. But, you know, we're trying to work on London and, you know, hopefully I can build a good relationship with Wrexham and be up here more often. First time? First time, first time. And it's wonderful to be able to perform here.
0: If I do my job properly, I'm, there will be poetry coming from the night. It's all yet to happen, so you can't be too sure. So we're going to hear more from you yeah, as you're featuring, happy. but where can people check out your work? Do you have any blogs? Or-
2: uh, yeah, uh, 2ksloveletter.com. Everything's pretty much on there.
0: I'm going to put the link to that in the description. So I believe that Voicebox as a Night also exists further as a collective.
4: Yeah, so a couple of years ago I did a project called the International um, Talking Doors Project with Roundhouse. And what I noticed there is that every single poet that was in there had a collective. And we didn't have one. We just had, we had our night, which was fantastic. Um, and we, we ended up having a group of us that were really coming together as artists and really showing themselves nationally and internationally. Um, so we decided to start the Voice Box Spoken Word Collective. Um, at the moment we've been touring nationally, we've even toured internationally, we have international beatbox champion, Kinnell, uh, who's represented, battle rap, battle rap yeah. beatbox, beatbox not beatbox, <laughs> our international,
0: I'm 36 it's all the same to me,
4: <laughs> <laughs> so our battle rap champion we even have, we actually have our national beatbox champion of in Lucid. Myself, Natasha Borton, I've done stuff with the International Collective at the Roundhouse and a couple of stuff with BBC One Extra and Contacts Up in Manchester and quite a few other places. And Tim himself has set up an up and coming hip hop collective, The Larynx, and even award winning um hip hop group a Spitbucket.
3: Um yeah, so as I was touching on earlier, didn't want it to be exclusive poetry. We had a few people that had sort of come through that are rap acts and I've got a friend called Dave who Rap name is his real name, Dave Acton. Approached me with the idea of setting up a a rap group and he was saying we've got enough people to bring together a collective for the hip hop side as well. So again, we talked over names, discarded a lot of them because they weren't very good and then tried to link it into Voicebox. So the rap group there or the rap collective is The Larynx. That features myself. I go by Double Barreled when I'm doing my hip hop stuff. Nothing Street, I've just got a posh surname. And then we've got Misfit, Jay Bleak, Dave Acton, Bill Bowman, Lucid that we touched on earlier. Runic. there's about 13 of us, so I apologise if I missed anyone. R. Brian, Coming of Age, he's based up in Manchester at the moment, I believe. We've just taken on another member, Evra Rose. Sorry, always growing, always doing something. And then from that, we formed Spitbucket, which is myself, some person who's a DJ, lucid dave acton bill bowman uh, and we go by Spitbucket. recently done our first gig at focus wales which was phenomenal all of us were kind of well very nervous um but it went really really well we've got our next show uh, on the 29th of this month at Rexfest in indigean and all the other guys from the larynx will be performing at that as well
0: we'll endeavor to put all the links in the episode no, description
4: there's, many, so many there's a
0: lot going on isn't there <laughs>
4: yeah.
0: you should come to rexham and this event is a monthly event apart from your short winter break yes. which is second,
3: second monday of every month at Indegeen. uh we just have a winter break which is december january february every other month of the year second monday
0: i've given myself a hell of a job of the editing thank you all very much for joining me
3: <laughs> thank you for oh, having thank
0: us you. Yeah. Uh, some poetry
3: <laughs> <laughs> voice box favorite pop.
1: Facelift. My face is lining up to check its worn cheeks and overhanging eyelids in the mirror. Like any old building, the elements have washed it into disrepair, though not yet instability. No need for signs warning of falling debris. I slap on a bit of makeup, sure, but it's purely cosmetic, just to plaster over cracks, add some colour. If I had more money than sense, they could lift me, suck me, fill me, provide full and costly renovation. But when you are poor, all you get is unsuitable cladding and no real means of escape.
5: first time here. Uh, I'm here to continue the bald men in grey shirt segment of the um, yeah. Thanks. Uh, some love poems. This is called Runaways. And the sea is only 90 minutes from here. And although the window is glazed again with frost, the car can be made warm as sweet misting bed breath. And hooded, you look good, fugitive, fringe hidden. And we'll have music in cases cracked and love-scuffed. The streets so empty they'll be ghosted, stark and black. And we'll be starlit still, the road humming behind and sending us jet-like through sandpaper cold air. How late it is, you'll say, but then sleep straight through and wake to find yourself rising in powdered light. And glad you took this foolish arm way back when and laying your hands on the things rebuilt from the dawn and the sea. Um, I'll, I'll just finish with a, uh, a quick one. It's um, it's a tanker called uh, Wrexham Baths. Every father's arm, every other father's back reads Cymru and Bith. In ink, in blurring Gothic, each parchment limb testament Thanks very much. Thank
2: you. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
3: Cool. Yeah. So, basically, we're running with a little spit bucket theme now. So, we had Dave Acton earlier, we've had me earlier, we've just had uh, Paolo on, and Lucid's just arrived. Yeah. So, beatbox time! Whoa, 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 whoa!
6: yo everyone enjoying their night make some noise come on yeah yeah just gonna drop some beats hope you enjoy Just breathe that
3: Fucking ridiculous. Uh, recently went down with him to Cardiff to, you know, national beatbox championships. That was really cool. It's also just amazing being able to sit there and just be like, how's he doing that? Wait, how's he doing They're all doing so much stuff, I don't understand any of it. And then you're looking at them like, where's that noise coming from? Where's it coming from? Last month, we had several new people to Voicebox, which was fucking great. Also on that note, there are a few of them have come back. Also fucking great. So, for those of you who caught her last month, you you had a massive treat you're going to get another one. For those of you who are getting it for the first time, oh, every Rose, everybody! I'm
6: going to depress you all for a little bit now. Uh, yeah. Because yeah, I do seriousness better than I do happiness, to be honest. I live in this depressed world. But uh, as I look around the room, there's probably maybe one, two, three, four, five of you that's probably been depressed in your life. And depression strikes people, whether they're happy, whether they're sad, it strikes for no apparent reason at all. And this one I wrote when I was in the middle of a depression, walking home from work one day. This is slivering. I live an augmented reality. With my imperfect intervals like they were inserted into my internals, I'm an absentee. I find no satisfaction in this mundane existence, just like the world before and after me. I lay my ashes and pieces upon this mantelpiece, I'm needing something to anchor me that doesn't aim to dismantle me. My face is mapped in a way that compartmentalises everything like an amputee, I'm limbless. I feel the pain stretch through my core into to my fingers and it lingers like a foul smell. I don't spend these hours well, seconds are wasted time, there's no time for time. Step into this world of mine, give me a sentence and I'll share half a line as long as twine, denouncing this frame of mine that's become crooked and old in age. I stand on stage as a joker faking love by masking rage. My masquerade is half a shade darker than my soul, I take the wrongest route alone. For my home is not a home. It's more of a dome of imprisonment When my thoughts collect and assemble and obscure my envisionment. I need something to envision, something to listen to reduce the diminishment of my omnipotence. I'm living this. Day by day I'm carried away into the distance, away from my former self that I hidden within. Living a sin without giving it when I feel the neck closing within an inch. I'm giving in. I'm giving in. So don't crawl inside of my withered skin where winter's been and snakes are slivering, whispering and differing in their difference for the world they have me living in. I just continue to play the fool without admitting it.
2: Natasha everybody!
4: So I wanted a trigger warning, this kind of new half unedited thing. It's about a domestic violence kind of relationship that I went through when I was a lot younger, and the the title is D-minus minor seventh, and that was our, like, secret code that meant I love you when his other girlfriend was around. (laughs) Should have known from then, really, shouldn't I? I was at the high school age of finding myself in the faces of strangers and questionable places. I wore my tie thick, entwined at the neck, unthread the stitches, reconstruct them in my own image. And I'd heard that love songs were sung by women with guitars. And I knew that beauty was only through steel strings and battle scars, but anger came in a call of kisses tracing my palm. And I knew him in a smoky haze, looked up from him to a floorboard mattress and held him to my pulse like a river finally come to lie still. He was the first to make my eyes water. And he picked me wild flowers, flowers dipped in poison, but I had nothing but the breath of them. So when he said he saw rain clouds from his bedroom window, I wondered if the same ones I saw. And if this twilight sky could stretch the distance between us to touch in hold out my tongue as the air corroded me dry. He tasted like sugar water, too close to salt. But they warned me about him. In shallow conversations, hatred condensed in quick degradation. But danger came with perfume of iron blood clot at the back of my. But when he beat my breasts in anger, disguised as sexual desire, it was their words he drowned in taut skin. And we built a home in the forest. From the roots of willow trees and abandoned wallpaper, he crawled into a fireplace replaced by matchsticks and ash and set himself alight. So when he said this love of ours would be fought before it was won, I prepared for war. Caught his tears in my lungs and choked for more. And there was always more. More tears to soothe, more anger to evade, more questions, more answers. Less love. And I remember when we started an Evanescence cover band from a Yamaha keyboard and sheet music. And when he bent down on one knee and proclaimed his love to me to an empty bus station and a pineapple. (laughs) And when we filled ourselves with cups of tea until midnight. When he broke my nose into heartbeats and I mistook its crawl for love letter. I followed him through playgrounds and playing fields across aqueducts and clearing the stones to cross the river getting further apart and further away from the shore but I found him knuckled white with hesitation my shirt lay open as my tie tightened and I imagined his voice turn into starlight and my love turn into starlight but danger came and felt like home and nothing but a jagged bread knife to cut him from freedom's silence. And for my mother's sewing box, I stashed thread the wrong shade of tarnished gold. Bittersweet are my memories of first love. I traced the foundations of innocence to the cracks and found a vision of him. Weaker, milder than I remember. No more drenched in anger and unforgiving, but pity. Heart weaving for a man I knew once. Loved once the way only teenagers can. He was the first to make me cry in D minor. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Yeah>! <laughs> morning, everybody! Yeah!
3: Is everybody ready for a very, very talented guest act? Yes? Yes!
2: yes! <laughs>
3: Sweet. So. Member of Young Identity Poet Collective? Musician? Yes, yes, Poet yes, yes. Collective. Uh, recently off tour, so we're getting a little sneak show in. Yes, yes. Today's Love
2: Letter, everybody! <laughs> There's a lot we don't understand. And probably never will, but we try regardless. We stare in the face of an opaque future like and bluff. We converse with the shadows of ragged men with no pots to piss in and fry in acceptance under every new summer sun There's, there's a lot that doesn't matter. And probably never will, yet still we shake hands with the pursuit of all we desire. Fame. Fortune. Power. Love. Happiness. Security. Hiding the anxiousness in our fingertips by squeezing them together to remind them they're not alone. And they're not, if they will it to be that way. There's a lot that we don't believe in, that we probably should. There's a lot that we used to believe in. Imagination manifested things that lived and breathed in the wrinkles of our smiles and the twinkle in our eyes. Our favorite TV shows got cancelled in the end and we grew to forget about our imaginary friends. Summer was the man we met on our favorite adventure, the one that smiled with us for a minute, our favorite stranger, and he too had to go. We waved a rhapsody at his back, cried in euphoria at the sight of him meeting the horizon and yelled goodbye at his silhouette. There's a lot of time for us to grow. Even the smallest baby seed buried beneath bricks of concrete, watered with a drop of fake can grow into trees. Mm. And though it's a sight to see, light still shines through the cracks in our pessimistic ceilings, and I'll put a ring on the fingers of its streams till death do us My name is 2K's Love Letter. Um, Um, I believe in this thing called the law of attraction. Has anyone ever heard of the law of attraction? Yeah, if you speak something enough and believe in something, then you can manifest it into existence. So I just want to sing a song for you guys really quick, and it's called Shibuya. And if you kind of catch the lyrics, then please feel free to sing along. If only I could flow Play my songs in Shibuya The happy ones reminding you it's fine There's a lot more thanks to you but we both want whatever we can find, and I can feel the warmth pulling me close, and that's a place I'm so afraid to go. And there's so much that I was never told. I'm gripping tight to everything I know. Play my songs in Shibuya. Say it with me on this second time, if you can. Play my songs in Shibuya. Oh, that's good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All I needed was some peace of mind All I wanted was to be okay I believe the sun will come and shine The clouds are moving, you just have to wait Everything that you could ever want It's coming for you, oh it's on its way And all you need's a mustard seed of faith We'll turn your leaves with each and every day Play my songs in Shibuya Happy ones reminding you it's fine. There's a lot more things to you. But we both want whatever we can find. And I can feel the one pulling me close. And that's a place I'm so afraid to go. And there's so much that I was never told. I'm gripping tight to everything I know. Play my songs and should yeah. Can y'all sing with me on this last time?
6: Play my songs
2: and oh, yeah. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. Give yourselves a round of applause. Thank you. Now, mm-hmm. so, What I want to do for you guys, real quickly, is just play around for a bit and read some randomly selected poems before I get into the, the off-page stuff, if you know what I'm saying. Is that cool with you guys? Can I just read some poetry? I, I don't read poetry. I don't read poetry. like This is like literally stuff I've never read before, so this is so exclusive, guys. Like, this is just straight up. <laughs> okay. So we'll try this one. Uh, and without the complacency of understanding the lifelessness in the color gray we burn like stars, fires that glow across galaxies, alone and irreplaceable, Sometimes unnoticed, but all the while, burning. That was my first time ever reading that for an audience, and we'll try this one. Okay. Do boats massage the water when the waves are calm? Or take advantage when the ocean sleeps? Do heavy winds attack us, or is it nature's desperate attempt to protect us from what monsters we conceive? Are we alone? If you can feel alone in a room full of people, can you feel content in isolation? Are we who we think we are? That's a good question. How do y'all feel about um, being touched? (laughs) No, 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 no. I didn't mean it like that. I just uh, forget forget it. Okay. I want it, I want it for my grandma, to wrap the gift in bandages. I hope it fixes sore eyes. I I know that you're sensitive, and I'll I'll put that on my own mind. Lots of things I know ain't right. I stay conflicted all night, the story of my whole life. All I know to do is right, to take away the haunting thoughts that float around my whole mind. Trouble, trouble can be so kind. And mama wants to keep me blind. I'm so used to darkness, I forgot what I was trying to find. How she stays so quiet when she's screaming on the inside. And I'm keen to hear a peep, but also trying to write the next line. I don't want to ask, but I'm physically inclined. I've been on a hunt to find the happiness and sunshine. And no, no, it's not for me. I promise I won't make it all mine. Keep it for some people that I know could use it more time. If you asking who, I'll say I want it for my grandma. Thank you. All right. We're down to two. We're down to two. All right, let's try this one. Ready? I find myself overthinking a lot. Hindered sight of real life, sake of blinking a lot. Caress my head with rash actions and thoughts possessed with active distraught, massively thrashed, and this is this is passive assault, But we can either go blow for blow and bring blood from a broken nose or stop beating ourselves up, leave time to heal cuts when morning comes, rip open boxes filled with assorted rays of sun and let it glow in a thousand places at once and bring spring to face the wrath of the glum, cheer and clap when it comes, watch the battle and babble of how you witnessed Laugh to thaw a frozen heart and save its stump. then tell them how it warmed your blood. I close my eyes and rest my head upon a lonely grass bed. I fell asleep beneath the tree and dreamt of freedom past tense. I used to see feasible reason to believe in feelings. I hit the roof, from a product of every broken ceiling. Now I got open dealings and I I lay them out to hope revealing that post-apocalyptic survival tactics can be appealing. I'm screaming at the demons, fighting the night, biting the pieces and biting my teeth in. I'll tell you what I believe in. I'm overcomplicating because it's easier than having conversation. Well, it's, it's not easier, but I have the patience. I'm acting out of rage and yes, yes, I know I need to change it. As decimals of hate can be fatal specks of contamination. And okay. mm. right. we're down. We're down to one more poem. Now I lied. I have read this one in front of audiences before because I think it's dope. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Are you ready? I run with my mother. My little legs can't lift fast enough to match her pace. So she holds my hand. My mother tells me stories of a man in the sky. A man who watches us. A man who can change lives. At school, I learned of a big bang and how we made aeroplanes to explore the sky and look for the man. I want to be a pilot. I want to fly like the man in the sky. I believe he is real. Mother wouldn't lie. He flies an aeroplane and cast shadows on cotton castles. The man in the sky will bring a big bang. This, my mother says, will change everything. It is summer. My mother says the man in the sky will make it hot. He will make it bright. My city will shine upon the islands of the sun when he comes. I want to fly like the man in the sky. Mother says I will fly even higher when he comes. I run with her. She doesn't want me to go. He will come soon. And my city will sing songs of pain and weep tears of disbelief. I believe in the man in the sky. He will silence the singing. He will dry the tears. He brings the big bang with him. Mother says he keeps it safe, wrapped inside a bomb. A survivor's gift from the man in the sky. I run with my mother when his airplane comes. He will change everything, she says. He will stop the singing, and I will fly like the man in the sky when his plane arrives and his gift hits the ground. Let me know if you get bored and I'll do some crazy shit like take my clothes off. You gotta turn the cameras off though.